keeping it real, people. Boy, I know I love my guest. And I always learn so much from them. But this young lady, Lindsay Elmore, whoo, hoochie mama. She has it going on. I first met her because I was a guest on her show. And man, is she an awesome podcast host. Just incredible. So real. So I mean, you always hear the word authentic, authentic. But man, she does her homework and she's the real deal. So I just had to have her on my show. So did some investigating and talk about being knowledgeable in health and wellness. I first was researching that she knows so much, which I love, essential oils. And then she's a yoga expert. She teaches yoga and does yoga retreats. And then she also, which I had no knowledge about this, has a cleanse and books out about it called The Clean Slate. And it's not like you think. It's not like you're buying all this supplements and prepackaged juices. It's all about eating healthy. And I think if you get into it with her, with the clean state cleanse, it's like a 21-day thing. And I think she has one coming up in October, which you should check out. Yeah, she has one coming up in October, and I think it's October 1st to the 28th. It says, we change the way we eat. We'll avoid wheat, sugar, caffeine, alcohol, and eat all plants. Are you ready to feel better than you've ever felt in years? Woohoo! I think it's so great. I'm all about when you have an accountability partner, but this gives you the right tools and you have a community. And I was watching the video that she put up about it and it was showing like you get out of bed tired, like you're exhausted and then you have to have your coffee and get that in your system or another cup before you get going. And then you fake, how are you doing? Great, great, great. Well, I think we all could use a reset. So I can't wait for you to hear our interview. It's going to be so much fun. And if you enjoy it and get something out of it, please send it on to a friend, like it, and I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe. This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Florence Belsky Charitable Foundation, which was founded in 2003 by Florence Belsky, a pioneer, attorney, mentor to many, and positive aging activist. The Foundation's main programs are First Mondays, Women Who Lunch, and Pick Three, a virtual mentoring program which connects advisors. The Foundation has over a 1,000 global advisors of all ages and has hubs in all major U.S. cities, as well as international cities all over the world. The Foundation has been developing virtual resources to help people during the current pandemic on its website, www.flowbellangels.org. The latest program is a virtual woman's network called Women Who Lunch 2.0. For more info on that, see www.flowbell.org. 
I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Why am I excited? Because this is one of the rare, rare times that I get to interview somebody that interviewed me first. And I cannot believe it's been this quick that I got her on. I- oh, <laughs> I I'm push so on excited too. I'm so excited. <laughs> I know it's going to be a lot of fun. But Lindsay, before I bring the Lindsay Elmore on, I want to read this stuff about you because I did not know all this. So you ready for this? This is a lot, young lady. Dr. Lindsay Elmore is a pharmacist, a natural wellness expert. Ooh, a vegan cook. I could use some of that. A yogi. Ooh. I got kicked out of all yoga classes, Lindsay, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> a, a podcast host and business strategy coach, which I don't doubt it. She translates complicated science hmm, into understandable stories and travels the world educating audiences about natural wellness. Hmm. <sighs> Gotta love this woman. Dr. Elmer has spoken to audiences on five continents and more than 35 countries, her educational materials have been translated into more than 25 languages, hoochie mama, and she reaches millions on her social media globally. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. It's going to be a fun discussion. Well, I just want to start out with the first thing that's been boggling my mind since we spoke. Would you be upset? And tell the truth, if I laughed during your yoga class. No. Why would I be upset about that? That's like, <laughs> I, I mean, like we all have emotional responses that happen when we practice yoga and everything on the spectrum is okay. And I think part of the beauty of yoga is that you can learn to laugh at where you are in your journey. So no, mm. I would not kick you out of my yoga class if you laughed. Well... <laughs> I was born with, they call, I didn't know it. So I didn't know my hips rotate really far in. So like it's called hip dysplasia. So uh-huh. I was a dance major, but sucked wad at ballet because I had no turnout. Right. Right. Uh-huh. And so when I go to yoga, I love all the parts of it, but a lot of it I can't do. I have to modify because mm-hmm. mama's got no turnout. And they would say, yes, because you're not one with the universe and you're not connected <laughs> to your mom. And I'm like, it could be all of those, but I can't do that. So I decided I would just laugh at myself sometimes in class, like giggle. But on more than one occasion, and I'm saying in a lot of states and a lot of countries, people would just tap me gently on the shoulder. And, you know, ask me to either move to the back of the room or leave. And so I got very discouraged, Lindsay. (laughs) Well, I mean, you do get discouraged when people, when you show up and you're putting your best effort in and it isn't working for you (laughs) and you just say, well, I might as well laugh at myself and I might as well be here and show up and be present for myself if people turn that down or if they make you feel bad about that, then yeah, that's really frustrating. I am grateful that during my yoga teacher training, we actually went through a lot about anatomical differences Mm. and how to look at someone and recognize that 
well, their body is just simply not built that way. Because a lot of the time when you look at people who have these really flexible hips or they have um, a very flexible spine, you think that everybody's body is meant to do that same thing. But it's not true. It's simply not true. Um, not true. <laughs> no. I mean, you could be in a situation where you're bending your spine in a way that an instructor is leading, but there's no going past bone on bone. You know, so some people have really nice, big, wide cushionings between their spine that allows their spine to be hypermobile. But then the rest of us, you know, we get our spine and then all of a sudden it's just bone on bone. Well, there's nothing you can do at that point. And so we worked with and observed a lot of yoga participants who it was like, who's doing the pose more fully? And you may think, well, if someone's sitting in in like a in a baddha konasana with, you know, the, their feet are brought together towards their groin with the yeah, knees flayed out to that. the side. So you can look at that and be like, oh, the person who is more fully expressing the pose is the person whose knees are on the mat. But if that person's hips are built to where if the mat wasn't there and the floor wasn't there, their hips could extend even further down. Well, they're not in the full expression of the pose. If you then look at someone who their knees are three inches off of the mat, but because they have gotten to that point of bone on bone, they have fully expressed the pose, even mm. though the person who has their knees on the mat gets all the accolades for it. It's yeah. just a complete difference in anatomy. <laughs> well, I'm so glad you said that because I, when I put my feet together in that position, I, my knees are literally up by my ears. That's how difficult, but I am doing my best. And by the way, it wasn't until years and years and years later that I decided, screw it. I really like a lot about it and I'm going to explore more of it. And I went, do you ever hear of Kripala Institute? Uh, I've heard of it, but I don't know enough to be educated about it. So teach me all of your wise ways. Oh my God. my It's just something you have to go to in Massachusetts and it's amazing. And there's a million types of yoga there and workshops. You would, you should be in a teacher there and oh, thank you. you could go and I mean the brilliance from the I'm sure it's on hold right now but it'll be back soon come together and you have first of all the best vegan food I've ever had in my life you could actually mm. you know gain weight because the chefs are amazing are so and good. I'm not even a vegan and I just didn't want to leave. I mean, people go there just to eat the food. They do have rooms where you're in silence and you have a little thing on you, but it's beautiful and it's gorgeous. But there's things like you're dancing and doing yoga. You're chanting mm -hmm. and doing yoga. There's meditation. There were so many types of yoga that I finally thought, see, I knew there was something to this and there's something for me. And mm -hmm. it was for the first time in my life. I said, see, I can explore this without fitting that mold, which sounds like, Lindsay, if I took yoga with you, I'd feel the same way. Well, I think that it's critically important to not make yoga 
one thing. You know, I'm in the midst of teaching a, a course right now on the combination of Ayurveda and yoga. Ooh. And it's very easy as a yoga teacher to kind of go into your default flow. It's just the way that you like to practice. It's the classes that you like to attend. And last week, I taught a class all about Ayurvedic herbs, which most of them are adaptogens. So they do different things depending on who is taking them and what their current state of their body is. Ooh. And I realized in preparation for that class, I need to be sure that I am pressing myself to not just go into default mode. I need to press myself to also be adaptogenic and be in that place where I say, okay, I'm going to show up and I'm going to teach a different style of yoga class than what I've taught in the past because... Mm. That is a way that we can expand ourselves. And so, yes, yoga can be a series of postures, but I also practice yin yoga, which is the delightful art of laying on your mat in different comfortable positions. People host yoga classes that are more are more sexually oriented. People are exploring their own sexuality as a piece of their yoga. People practice yoga after doing cold plunges and trance style dancing can also be a piece of yoga. And so every teacher and every student is going to have a different way that they interpret yoga. And my my advice to anyone who's listening who's like, I cannot do yoga. I, I'm not <laughs> going to be able to do this. Well, then find someone who's teaching it a little bit differently. Mm. And, you know, you may experience different styles. I personally love vinyasa flow. I love yin. Mm -hmm. But that means that I have to push myself to go to the Hatha classes, to go to the classes that are taught outside, to go to the hour-long meditation workshops because it expands my brain. It expands yeah. my interpretation of what a yoga practice can be. Yeah, and I think it's grown through the years. When I first started out, and I was going up, I have to say this, to New York, they were like kind of snooty. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, you know what I mean? You're, you can't do this, this, and this. And I felt, you know, left out. Years gone by, it, it changed a lot, even in New York, like that I could find classes that I felt accepted, you know, and not, I'm thinking, wait a minute, isn't yoga supposed to be non-judgmental? I've never felt so judged in my life. Yeah. And it was crazy because I would say, wait a minute, this is just not the way it's supposed to be. But years later, I find it's not that way. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? There's so many different types and I love going to New York and doing the different styles. And the other place, when I go to California, uh, I love it because there's ocean views while I'm doing yoga and it's so much fun, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I can explore it differently. All right. So I need to ask, what has been your favorite thing about 
teaching yoga virtually? Um, I think my favorite thing about teaching yoga virtually is honestly seeing the same students show up every single time that I teach, knowing that I'm making connections with them on a, on a physical level, but also on a spiritual level. Mm. And I think seeing their growth, seeing their journey, um, all of those things have been part of my favorite pieces. And then also just the discipline that it takes to actually show up and teach yoga every single week. I realize that I'm honestly a little bit shy and a little bit nervous about teaching it in person. And this oh. has been a way for me to explore in what is considered a safe space for me because I've been in online teaching for eight years now I've been delivering content online oh, and so okay. knowing that I could deliver this content in a way that was meaningful for people and a way that created a, a, a physical connection a spiritual connection and just again, seeing the growth of the students has been has been really meaningful for me. And just knowing that the more that I show up, the more sequences that I write, the more that I practice, the better an instructor I am. And part of being a good instructor was is is really taking the ego out of it and so i've been to yoga classes where it's clear like the guy at the front of the room is thinks he's you know too cool for school but he's not you know and i think that doing that humbleness i i've i've worked with teachers with different philosophies um some teachers just say, I don't lead poses that I can't do. I actually like doing poses that I am still working on and still have not perfected. Because I like for students to see that, you guys, I'm, so I'm not perfect, you know. And so yeah. just last week, I led a pose called Compass Pose that I can't fully do the prostration. You know, I can't fully execute the pose, but I like doing it the halfway that I can and telling people this is prettier than it used to be. It's not, it's not like an Instagram photo yet, but <laughs> it is, it's still there. I'm still doing it. I'm still trying. So oh I, I actually like doing poses that I can't fully do. And so it, that is, I think that it gives students permission not to be perfect, you oh. know? Listen, you're making me want to re-explore yoga again. I mean, like I, first of all, as an instructor, and I taught many classes, and when I say everything but yoga, and I'm the same way. There's Because of the way my hips are, there were things I can't do. But I would still want them to say, hey, look, I'm doing the best I can. And that V word, being vulnerable, Mm -hmm. you've given your students such permission which we were talking about before the show started to just embrace who they are and all of them i'm so i'm like falling more in love with you this is like oh thank you this is so freaking cool like so and i love the fact 
that you said that, you know, you were doing virtual forever and that you were probably even more in shy, you know, person. And so you're even woof, you know, really setting the world on fire virtually. I, as a coach and trainer, had more of a difficult time with that, Lindsay, because I like walking around and touching people and I'm no like, I'll touch the rat. Like, I can't believe I got away with this crap, but like, I'm just a touchy feely move. And so I find myself touching the screen, like, you know, like, you You can't touch it. So it's been very challenging for me to be like, I can't hug you and touch you. And I know, you know, touch this muscle and say, here. Because it's so much easier. Don't you think it's easier if you can just gently nudge him into the right position versus it's really been challenging me. My skills, my verbal skills have really had to be upped. It is definitely much more um, important in the clarity of your language. And that is something that I think is critically important for entrepreneurship, for leading in exercise classes, all of these things. Um, But you do have to get really, really clear on the language. And I agree with you. I actually like it when my partner will practice as I teach um, because at least when I can see him and ah. I'll see, I'll see like, okay, his hips out of alignment or his foot is kind of in the wrong place. And it reminds me of the cues that I need to be giving the whole class. And I'm a little bit of a different instructor. I actually like to do the class as I am teaching. And so I will also take cues for my own body, which has been a theme for me for years, which is, you know, teachers teach actually what we need to hear. We teach what we need to be taught. And I think that is very, very true for me. So if I am doing a portion of the class and I realize, well, my hips are out of alignment. Well, my foot is in the wrong place. It reminds me to discuss it and to give those cues that the the class will need as well. So I think there's benefits to practicing in person and practicing online. As long as you're practicing something, yeah, you know, my, yeah. my health app on my phone, it, it sent me a message and it was like, you have been walking significantly less this year than you did last year. And I'm like, you think? <laughs> and so, and so as long as you're in a place where you're like, okay, every day I'm going to put a little bit of something mm. towards my health and wellness, be that sweating every day, be that something as simple as hopping in a, a, a shower that's as hot as you can take it and then getting it as cold as you can take it, helping your body to detoxify through your skin, be it a five to 10 minute meditation practice. Health doesn't have to be complicated. And it's one of the things I love about you, Sandy, is you say exercise is not about spending two hours, you know, killing yourself in the gym. It's about taking 30 seconds after you've been sitting for an hour and a half and experiencing that, that, that moment of movement. I, you know, I love that. And so don't make health and wellness complicated. Just 
listen Except, to your body. Don't make it a big hairy deal, I always say. No, don't at all. Well, you know what? I want to back up a second because there's something I usually do at the top of the show, but I had to get that burning question and I could talk to you forever about yoga, but man, oh man, have you done a lot. So, Lindsay, if you were going to think of a word, I ask every guest in the last 30 days, the, now I know you've had a lot of emotions. We all have ups, downs, happy, sad, love, fear, but what has been biggest emotion and a word that you could express that you felt in the last 30 days any word you can think of the word that immediately comes to mind is freedom i i think i like many people fell into some bad habits this year um we all continually assess our good habits and our bad habits and i said, you know what, I want to just dramatically transform that. And so I committed to doing a 30 day cleanse, I ended up doing it for 32 days. And the cleanse kind of cut out so much that I know was holding me back that was not a good situation for me. And so the the freedom that I felt was powerful to just say, okay, I I can't control what's going on in the world, but I can control my own inner compass mm -hmm. and I can control the way that I talk to myself, the way that I engage with myself, the way that I show up for myself. And it was powerful. It was a powerful, powerful moment to dedicate because i've been doing cleanses for like 12 years now now and by so, the way my audience is going to want to get all over this i'm already have a list of things here about cleanses we need to dive into this because i've had so many people say good bad and ugly about it so you obviously are pro it and i need to know why because they're going to hammer me with this one Lindsay. Well, I mean, listen, if you don't want to do a cleanse, just eat freaking better. Like, I don't care what you call it. <laughs> like, a lot of people are like, I cannot do a cleanse because it is bad for me. Okay, fine. Eat better. Like, I'm sorry, you know, you you genuinely don't need to be eating meat, dairy, and gluten three times a day. You don't. Like, humans What about the raw of Oreos? <laughs> Oh, those are so vegan, right? I know. I hear. I mean, listen, you can take anything and make it healthy or make it unhealthy. And I Ooh. I think about, you know, I think about the people that do my cleanse and I get onto them sometimes because I'm like, listen, friends, you can go through this cleanse eating tortilla chips and hummus for every single meal. It doesn't count. You know, it doesn't count. And so our bodies are actually built to have significant amounts of time that are free from food. This allows our blood sugars to stabilize. It allows our liver to remember that, oh yeah, we have this other energy source in our body called glycogen. I don't have to have this complete dedication to consuming glucose all of the time. So, I mean, listen, if you don't want to do a cleanse, don't do a cleanse. But there are times in your life that you you can take a step back and go, 
maybe drinking six gin and tonics on a Tuesday is not what I need. Oh, and man, I know, right? I know. It's so frustrating. <laughs> but but so take a moment to just say, I, I love Darren Hardy's advice. Darren Hardy says, think of your worst habits and realize, okay, you know, whatever it is, if you love, you know, having two glasses of wine every single day when you get home from work, well, that's not doing much for your health and wellness other than giving you the release. If you're somebody who drinks three cups of coffee every single morning, chances are you might have some anxiety that needs to be dealt with, or you might have an unhealthy relationship with caffeine where you're relying on it. Take 30 days and don't do that anymore. And if you realize during that 30 days that it's extraordinarily hard for you, then that may be something that you need to cut out of your life permanently. You know, you can do... I mean, reverse engineer your cleanse. So starting Saturday, I am going to do yoga every day for 30 days. I am in the midst of, because of my podcast, I, I interviewed somebody about how you can transform your life by having gratitude and yeah, really absolutely. focusing on gratitude. So I'm on a hundred days of a gratitude journal. And so you can add positive things in as easily as you can take out the negative things. And so I like cleansing because I mean, listen, guys, gluten is inflammatory to your gut. I mean, it doesn't matter if you have celiac disease or not. Dairy is inflammatory to your gut. Caffeine hijacks your brain. Sugar transforms your brain in some ways that are more profound than heroin or cocaine. Cutting out all of these things and getting back to eating whole foods, eating real foods is a good decision. If you don't want to call it a cleanse, don't call it a cleanse. Just say, <laughs> okay. I'm going to cut things out, you know? <laughs> okay. So I have so many questions and you have sparked my interest from so many future podcasts, but let's just dig into to when you said your cleanse, do you have a cleanse that you put out to the world or you just mean you created it for you? No, I have a cleanse. It's called the Clean Slate Cleanse. Okay. And it is, you can head to cleanslatecleanse.com. You can check out some recipes. So I believe that eating clean and eating plants should be delicious. No one wants to eat crappy food on a cleanse. So I dedicate myself to figuring out how do I make the most delicious cuisine that I can. And so the Clean Slate Cleanse, my... Honestly, the more that I read, the more my opinions evolve about what is kind of the perfect cleanse. But yeah. what we do is 
21 days, no wheat, no sugar. It's all plant-based, minimal sources of caffeine, as well as wheat-free, sugar-free, no alcohol, um, and and so and then it's all plant-based. So those are the main things. And then I have people who have done the cleanse with me two, three, four times. So we're actually starting a cleanse in October, on October 1st. And we're adding in the lessons that I learned during my month-long cleanse. So I did three weeks of the Clean Slate Cleanse. So wheat-free, sugar-free, alcohol-free, mostly caffeine-free, and vegan. But then I did seven days of a cleanse that was created by Dr. Um, Alejandro Younger, which was much more based on shakes. I'm not somebody who's made a lot of shakes and smoothies. And up until I did that cleanse, I really didn't think I liked them. Mm -hmm. But when that's a predominant part of your caloric intake, you you learn to really appreciate them. And so it was based on smoothies, as well as doing intermittent fasting. So the fast intervals, I already do at least 12 hours a day. I mean, come on, People who are listening, it does not take that much effort to give your body a 12-hour respite from the ingestion of food each day. So during the intermittent fasting in this cleanse, the duration of fasting was anywhere from... 12 to 24 hours. And so we did a full 24 hour fast as a piece of this. And it also was eating according to Ayurvedic principles based on your doshas. And so that was a big piece of the equation as well was really working on the um, the food that you eat according to your doshas because that was something I'd never done before. Yeah, I, when I was going up to um, take the yoga class, I got introduced to that and it really changed my life. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Knowing what my body, you know, was responding to, it was just the coolest thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think that I think that if you can quiet your mind around the concept of food, around the concept of exercise and really just take inventory of what makes me feel good. Start there. Start there. You know, if I mean, come on, if you go out to dinner and you eat a seven course meal that is all heavily laden with fat and meat and inflammatory dairy and gluten and all the things like, trust me, I know how delicious foods can be when they are unhealthy. They are actually engineered to be that way. But if you are in a position where you say, like, I feel tired or bloated or mentally sad Mm. after you eat or after you work out, don't do it. Just (laughs) don't, don't go that direction. There's no need for it. It's so much more important for you to enjoy your body that you've been blessed with, you know, no matter, Mm -hmm. that's another thing I loved about Ayurveda was it takes into account 
that different body sizes are all normal. You know, I think that a lot of people are in this situation where they think that it is, there's only one definition of what healthy looks like. And that's just simply not the case. I mean, yeah, people yeah. of all body shapes can still be very healthy. And uh, again, on my podcast, I interviewed uh, Virgie Tovar, and she is a self-proclaimed fat activist. And she said something mm. that she has, she has these one-liners that just stick with you forever. And she said, Lindsay, the thing is, fat people are not failed skinny people. And that was so powerful when I heard that. And that's yeah. one of the things I love about Ayurveda is it it takes into account that some people are these very, very thin, very, very tiny, like it, no matter how much I tried, I would never be that small. Yeah. Other people are have a more substantial build. And we have to embrace that because if we're constantly in pursuit of one ideal of what beauty is, you're screwed. You're on the pathway to body dysmorphia, to having an eating disorder, to working out to a point where you're doing your body harm. All of those things are not what we want to do. Find the joy mm. in the find the joy in what you do. And that is where you can really, really improve your health and well-being. Oh my you know, I'm so glad that I wish I could say, oh, I don't agree with any of that, but everything you're saying, it's just you're saying it much better than I would and much more eloquently than I would, but I love your philosophy because my whole thing when I taught so many different types of classes where you have to embrace everything about where you are now. Even if you want to lose weight or tone up, I want you to find the things you love about your body right now. And I mean, yeah. I used to have people in class that say, I like my earlobes. And I'd say, okay, it's a start. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, it's a start. What can you find that you love about your body? It was driving me crazy where I first got introduced to it. And I just remembered I was at a workshop in New York. It was Deepak's workshop, of course. Mm -hmm. And that's where I, this like bloom, like they gave different types of yoga classes for free. Like you could come in and out, but that's when I started discovering more. It was from him. I'm sure you're familiar a lot with his work. Yeah. I mean, I think the more that you can love yourself, the more that you are in a position where you give out that love to the universe and that it's returned to you. You know, if you hate yourself, guess what? Other people are going to treat you like you don't have value. I know. And your intrinsic value matters, you know, and the way that you care for yourself matters and so it, you know start with your earlobes you know whatever <laughs> yeah, um exactly. my hair grows blonde on my legs meaning i don't have to shave every day that's a huge blessing right there yeah and um, by the way huge yeah so so i mean like do you know how many women would take a step back and go like oh my god my hair grows so black on my legs and i have to shave every single day yeah yeah Start with something. I completely agree. Yeah, I love that. All right. So 
I'm not going to get all this in here, but I'm going to just hit with the most important things. You're a pharmacist? How'd that happen and when? Well, I, um, okay. So when I was growing up, I wanted to be, uh, I remember I, I busted out one of my journals from when I was like 14 years old and guess what I wanted to do, Sandy? I wanted to own a dance studio and shut the front door. I know. I know. I, I wanted to own a dance studio when I was, um, an adolescent and then I discovered theater and I loved performance. I loved being on stage. I loved acting. I loved the training that went into acting. I I loved the singing. I loved all of it. I wanted to be a performer growing up and I wanted to help to train other performers. My mom was a single mom and she was like, yeah, yeah, no real job. You're going to get a real job because she just didn't want to see me go through the ups and downs and the pummeling of what it took to be a performer. And so I decided that I would go to school and I got a degree in chemistry and loved it and was intending to go to medical school. So I intended to go to medical school and then I started studying to go to medical school to get to pet, to take the entrance exam. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to do any of this. So I decided I did not want to go to medical school. And then I was like, well, okay, I'll get a PhD in chemistry. Thankfully, I was working in a lab where I had women who had PhDs in chemistry who told me, don't get a PhD in chemistry. It's not your personality. It's not who you are. You're not going to love it. Thankfully, I listened to that. And then I was like, well, crap, now I have no life plan because <laughs> I I always wanted a doctorate. I always did. I, you know, I was the first woman in my family to get a doctorate. And I, I found, I felt like it was very, very important um, for me. So one of the women who encouraged me not to get a PhD in chemistry said she walks into the lab one day and says, I know what you should do. You should be a pharmacist. And I thought, sure, I'll be a pharmacist. <laughs> and so life plan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Boom. Now I have a life plan. And so I, my, my real goal was to leave home. That was what I really, really wanted to do. And so I'm originally from Birmingham, Alabama. I went to college in Alabama and I applied to two schools of pharmacy, both in California. Um, One of them turned me down, the assholes. And the other one, I know, right? And so, but I think it, you know, everything works out for the best possible reasons. So I ended up Uh, getting accepted to the number one school of pharmacy in the country, served as class president for two years, graduated as a bowl of Hygieia nominee, won the national clinical skills competition, just did all the things. Like I loved (laughs) the study of pharmacy. And then of course I was like, I was like, well, that's not the highest level of education that I can do. So then I did two years of postdoctoral residency Mm-hmm. And then decided, wow, I'm really frustrated with the practice of pharmacy and took a complete left turn and decided that I was going to really, really focus on natural wellness and how do we encourage people 
to create health in their own life because I recognized that the practice of medicine in the United States is completely broken and completely backwards from where we need to be. And I had been through my own personal challenges of of having insomnia. I tore my ACL when I was um, in pharmacy school. That landed me in the chiropractor's office, which led me to the acupuncturist's office, which opened my eyes that, oh Mm -hmm. my God, there's a completely different way to understand health and wellness. And so... I just started teaching people about health and wellness, started teaching people online, and I realized there was a big need for it. So I've come full circle, and I just figured out a way to make science entertainment. Like, how do I make it a performance? And, you know, just really said, well, these are all of the skill sets that I have. How do I take all the improvisation training and turn that into being an excellent podcast guest? How do I take all of my training in how to speak and articulate and project to the back of the theater? How do I turn that into excellence in online teaching? You know, I just found a way to make science performance and I love it. I absolutely love it. You know, it's funny because if someone just looked at, look, she's a pharmacist, she's this, she's this, this, and they're like, how do they relate? But you beautifully put them together. I mean, it's crazy. And I love the fact that you said, you know, I looked at all the things that I'm passionate about and, and bringing science to people in a fun, lighthearted, easy to understand way to heal their minds and bodies. I mean, can you think of anything better? Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, I encourage people, you know, a lot of people are like, what's the, what's the key to health? And I'm like, the key to health is whatever is inside of you. I am not someone, I think, I think a lot of times science becomes very totalitarianism and science is not a dictatorship and health is not a dictatorship and there's not one way to do it. There's genuinely not, you know, I mean, if I were to do the research, I am sure that I could find excellent research about the way that plant-based eating is going to cure everything that ails you. But I'm also good with finding research that says, well, plant-based eating will also kill you. You know, there's no higher authority for your health and wellness than you. You know, there's no right choice about what to do for your health. There's no wrong choice for what to do for your health. There's only the choice that you make. There's only your choice. That is the only thing that you can do with authority. So you've got to trust your inner guru. You've got to trust the voice inside of you that says, well, I know people say that that extreme exercise systems work for them. It doesn't work for me. And so, and be Ugh. that way. You know, I'm so, years ago, um, a professor at the University of Pennsylvania said to me when I was creating all these studies and I like I knew things innately, but I wanted the science to go, Sandy, I'm going to tell you this and it's going to change your life. And I was in my 20s. He said, you can prove anything you want to with a study. Mm-hmm. 
Oh what, yeah. <laughs> what you set out, right? Right? What you set out. And if you what you think is true, there's a study. And you're going to prove it and you can make it work. Doesn't mean you're lying, but because you believe it, you will find the right people, the right things. And that's why when people say to me, I've had, you know, some guests that are like, well, it's science. Yeah, you right. should see my, my, like you, if you could just see my facial expression, like, okay, like, you know, in other words, there is no other way. It's science. Yeah. You know? Oh, and, and has 2020 been just like a glaring flashing sign of like, <laughs> we don't know Jack about science. Yeah. It Jack is, crap. It, right. Yeah. No, I mean, and everybody is processing this year very differently and it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, who do you trust? The guy on the news? Which news channel are you <laughs> listening to? Well, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and and there's an absolutely brilliant book. If you think me and Sandy are lying and that, you know, science is true and that, you know, we we have great evidence for everything that we do in our lives, there's a brilliant book that you should read. It's called The Triumph of Doubt. And David Michaels writes in this book about his experience being the director of OSHA, which is the Occupational um, Safety and Health Administration. And it basically goes through the in-depth entrenchment of corporate interest in the publication of studies. I mean, listen, the tobacco industry wrote the manual and then the alcohol industry, big corporate polluters and corporate toxins adapted it. I mean, for one example, I just read this chapter two nights ago and I was astonished. So, When you think about the consumption of alcohol, what are we taught in popular media? We're taught that the risk of death as it relates to alcohol consumption is a J-shaped curve where your risk of death is higher when you consume no alcohol or one alcoholic beverage a day. Versus if you consume two to three, your risk of death is relatively lower. This is a lie. It is completely <laughs> and utterly a lie. And First it is of all, I've never heard this before. So I'm like, I'm sitting here right, right, drawing a J. <laughs> I mean, how many people, yeah, how many people think that consuming one to two glasses of wine every day is beneficial for your heart health? I mean, it's got resveratrol in it. So it is. Come on, Betty White said so. Betty White said so. <laughs> and the lady is 112 years old. So it right. must be true. Yeah. But this is corporate positioning and it's critically important that we take the corporate interests out of science but it's it's certainly not going to happen certainly not with how big pharmacy big agriculture big food even big farm machinery all wants their message pushed and there's a reason that Americans have fared so poorly in the year of 2020. We are the only industrialized nation that has seen a recurrent outbreak of infections over a four-month span. And it's because we constantly live on the brink of fat, sick, and nearly dead. And so (laughs) we... 
when we set ourselves up to already be like on the tipping point of diabetes and cardiovascular disease and chronic flipping stress, of course, anything that comes our way that adds to that stress means that Americans don't fare as well. And there's absolutely no reason why that has to be true. It does not have to be true for you. It does not have to be true for your family. But that means that you're going to have to sometimes make those difficult decisions to eat a little bit better, drink some cleaner water, and get rid of all the toxic people in your life that are constantly causing you stress. Quit your freaking job if you hate it. Do the big, bold stuff that it takes for you to realize that you are the owner of your own destiny. And when you fully believe that, go ahead, you know, go ahead and go to town. When you fully believe that your health, your wellness, your happiness in your marriage, the amount of money that you can make, when you fully believe that all of that is in your control, you going to be ready to take some action that you might not be ready to take if you're sitting back and waiting for somebody else to tell you how to live your life. Mm. Lindsay, you are quite a hoot. You know that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, I'll add I comedian like, to my resume. Oh my God. Well, first of all, you're doing what you set out to do. I mean, you know, storytelling, I'm reading this, these tips, which you kind of weaved in there. So we're all good to go. But storytelling is critical, important in growing your business. It's just important in life. I love storytelling. And if you can get your message in and deliver this information to people that's not boring, you're going to reach so many more people, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, like, I remember you saying, you want to put out there a world you want to live in. Absolutely. You have to have a vision for the world that you want to live in. And if you don't have that vision, then I think you probably need to think about it a little bit more in depth and really, really think about what's the world that I want my children to live in and how do I help contribute to that? And that is very, very important. All right. Well, this is all powerful stuff. And I could spend like another 24 hours with you because I only got to the tipping point of all my questions. But before we go, I have to ask, what's the one thing that you can share with us that nobody knows about you? Oh, louds. What is something that no one knows about me? Um, I, I, I just, I, I glanced over I glanced over and someone sent me a a DNA test kit and I've always been scared to test my DNA because I don't want to know. I don't want to know. So that, I I mean, I think we all have our intrinsic fears, but oh my gosh. Okay. I got to think of something better than that for goodness sakes. Um, I I mean, I think. It doesn't have to be a fear. It could be like, you know. Like, I like dancing around my house nude when nobody's watching. Oh, that's Um, right. That's me. That's you. That's you. Um, I have tap danced nude in my house before. Um, I, I think... I think one thing that a lot of people don't know about me is I come across as very, very in control and very much, um, an advocate for 
your own internal authority. But I think all of that stems from just the underlying insecurities that I have about like, am I good enough? I mean, I think we all battle with, yeah, with, am I, am I enough? Yeah. And so, but come to terms with that, just look it in the eye and just realize that the more that we can come to terms with our most vulnerable self, you know, I, I recognize that when I feel threatened, I go into places of control. I go into places of, um, you know, I've got to be the dominant one here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. see that in yourself and just recognize that you are enough, even on the days when you don't feel like enough. Right. And we all have them. Mm -hmm. All have them. So Dr. Lindsay, what is, is there anything that we didn't get to cover that you want uh, to get out? I mean, I mean, a million things, but a I mean, million and a half things. Um, you know, and, uh, Oh my God. The one question, cause I do, I better get this in. Cause I ask people for questions. There was this huge podcast. I don't, we're not going to name names, but it was a, somebody who's a doctor from Harvard and she came yeah. on and she freaked out this girl who is a vegan by saying that she eats a predominantly all protein diet high in beef. And that is yeah. her key to mental health and very few veggies. I mean, here's the thing. Every <laughs> single body is different. Yeah. There is no there is no diet that every single person is supposed to be on. I personally believe that humans are built to eat primarily plants. Now, meat is undeniably tasty and it also carries with it um it carries with it some emotional pieces, you know, where it's meat is celebratory in a lot of ways, but if Okay, so let me put it this way. If humans were designed to be carnivores, we would be able to look at ourselves eating like a tiger eats. We would think of ourselves as being able to bring down live prey and to eat it raw with all the blood, all the innards, all the anything and we would be emotionally okay with that. We also would be, our guts would be designed like cats. So we would have extremely short guts. Humans do not have extremely short guts. We have long guts. And that um, gives more time for the meat to ferment, which drives your production of really dastardly dastardly um, inflammatory substances called TMAOs. And we would also have our teeth would be built like cats. And so if you are someone who cannot envision yourself bringing down a horse with your bare hands and eating it raw, chances are you're probably built to eat mostly plants. So... I'm I'm fine with people eating meat. It's just I also recognize that when you consume meat, you put into your body substances that change your gut bacteria and it changes to gut bacteria that ultimately lead to inflammation. Now, that said, I have interviewed a pharmacist who has eaten a 100% meat 
diet for about five years. And she considers it the key to her being able to control her epilepsy. She considers it a key to being able to control her weight, all the things. There's not one right or wrong answer. But if you're eating a 100% plant-based diet and you feel amazing, your skin looks amazing, you have excellent libido, you're able to go out and do the exercises that you want, guess what? Ignore what that physician says because you know better what is going on in your own body than anybody else does. Take, take rest in that find rest and find peace in that and just recognize that no one else can tell you what's right for your life so if if you listen to me today and you said well Lindsay says i have to be on this plant-based diet you've missed my memo yeah, which is yeah. <laughs> there there's no there's Let's get no, the cliff note <laughs> yeah cliff note version is trust yourself more than anybody else that's critical okay so this is unique to me so we're going to do it but i have to ask you because i know you ask a lot of your guests and my guests have never heard this on my show yeah so Lindsay asked this on almost i don't know almost but a lot of her podcasts what does god mean to you you know i i think that god is so much more than what we give credit for. I think God is everything. It is, you know, God is is in the air that surrounds us and God is between the air that surrounds us. God is peace, is love, is all things good within the entire universe and i think that we all have god inside of us we're all Mm. children of god and i think the more that we can give love to our highest and greatest self which is just simply another way of saying god within our lives the better off we all are Mm. i love that my little angels on my desk are standing up and smiling. They, they're very happy, my little five angels. Well, Lindsay, I, bef- yes. they are, you should see them. They're like dancing around here. I All right, it. so before we go, how can they reach you? What do you got going on? We'll put it all down, but I want to hear from you. Is there anything that you, you want like, check this out, or this is how I want you to come after me? What do you Goodness, got? you can you can come to lindsayelmore.com from there. You can check out my plant-based cleanse called the Clean Slate Cleanse. You can check out my essential oil education, my supplement education. You can also check out my business coaching. We're starting a new business coaching session in just a couple of weeks. Ooh. And please come and follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Lindsay Elmore. And you can also find me on Pinterest at doctor. That's D-R Lindsay Elmore. Oh, cool. I love that. Lindsay, I gotta go, man. I'm sad, but happy sad. Well, you know, know, we got to do it and we can always do it again. That's the way it goes. We can, we can always do it again. So in the next 30 days, your word, are you going to stay with freedom or do you want to change it up? Oh, 
Goodness. Um, I think I think for the next 30 days, I want to focus on flow, wow. flowing with the universe, flowing with my own yoga practice that I'm starting this Saturday. Um, all the things just may I flow. And especially loud knows this year has been a struggle for a lot of people, especially if you disagree with conventional wisdom about what's going on in the world. And so you can feel like you're butting up against barrier after barrier after barrier. May I just create more flow. And mm. when I reach a barrier, may I think like water, you know, water reaches a barrier and it's like, it's okay, I'll go around it. May I, may I embody that? Mm. No, I like that. All right, my let's keep it real people. I think you're going to write and say, Lindsay definitely kept it real. Aww. We had a blast. Lots of information. Check her out. Oh, and her podcast is awesome. Oh, so thank you got to look into that too. Check out the cleanse, all this good stuff, and find what fits you. And until next time, you know what I'm going to say. Toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.